incapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyker Chardonnay, Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about Chapter 10 of Goblet of Fire, Mayhem at the Ministry, in which, after the terrible events of the previous night, slash the previous chapter, the gang goes home to a very relieved Molly and a very on-point article about the disaster at the World Cup by Miss Rita Skeeter. Harry tells Ron Hermione about his scar and waits for Sirius's letter. Arthur and Percy end up working too much at the ministry, dealing with the aftermath of the, of the World Cup. Harry and Ron are introduced to the dress robe, which only reinforces Ron's fuck-my-life mindset. Yep. Short and sweet. It's a very short chapter, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it is. Who knows how long this episode will be. Um, before we get to the headlines, reminder about our new transcription system. It's real cool and easy, thanks to our wonderful listener, Tammy, who auto-transcribed everything for us using some program or other. And now all you have to do is just listen along and clean up all of the very funny errors that the transcription program made. So hashtag ruthless.com slash transcriptions. Also, we have a bunch of cool new merch. Check it out. It's on our website. All right. We are going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Ministry employees are just as good at taking criticism as the author who created them is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yep. 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 (laughs) You are very correct about that. Thank you. All right, we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Kick us off. All right, so my first thing is just, and we'll get to this whole thing, I'm sure, later in this episode, but Molly's like, thank God none of you guys are dead. Uh, And everyone's like, you know, in the kitchen. And for whatever reason, Hermione is is the one making Molly some tea. And I'm like... Because that's women's work. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I think part of it is just uh, that scoundrel J.K.R. sort of own misogyny. Uh-huh. But yeah, like there's literal like all these uh, grown ass men, including her husband and Hermione, this 14 year old girl is the one making her tea. That's fucked up. Yep, it really is. Uh, my first thing also is about it's about that. It's kind of so I think it's very funny That in, like, British culture, you help someone who's in a state of distress by making them a very strong caffeinated beverage. That seems counterintuitive. But what happens here? Hermione makes Molly a very strong cup of presumably black tea, which Arthur then puts whiskey in. So they just made Molly a calm the fuck down for loco. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) 
Oh my god, you're right. Basically, yeah. Wow. How did I not? How did I not? That's incredible. I feel like I just like shot my funniness load in my first sentence of the uh, of the podcast because it's like the best thing I'm gonna say this whole <laughs> this whole episode. But you know, it's fine. I felt that I felt that's untrue, but. I mean, I'm looking at my notes. I promise you that's the funniest joke that's in here. But may- may- maybe, who knows? We'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> um, I just want to point out that so far out of all of the... I mean, you know, it's just a lot about how all of the magical food is trash. But fire whiskey is something that I can get behind. Even though I dislike that everyone's IRL interpretation of fire whiskey is fireball, which is disgusting something can be fiery and not gross cinnamony bullshit mm-hmm. i don't know what it is but I'm, I'm here for it i've literally never taken a second to stop and be like what makes fire whiskey different from whiskey i think i've always just been like witches have to make things sound like they don't belong to muggles so they just put another word on there yeah i feel like in probably one of my many works in progress harry potter fanfic i feel like the opposite of fire whiskey would be ice gin or maybe ice vodka but i don't know i feel like ice gin seems cooler yeah i feel like vodka is sort of flavorless so definitely gin would be the opposite of whiskey and i think gin is just inherently more witchy because of all the herbs and stuff that's true as hendrix has taken his ran with, which is part of why yeah. I like Hendrix Gin. I'm like, look at this witchy <laughs> bottle full of lunar botanicals. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, maybe we should uh, let them advertise with us. They've been advertising everywhere lately. Oh, my God. Yeah, can we write them a letter and be like, please advertise on our gay hair? We'd have podcast. to do so much research into their like politics. This is why I'm not letting us seek out advertising i'm like oh man it takes so much work to make sure we actually endorse whatever we're endorsing yeah anyway where what i said i thought about fire whiskey so i think it's your oh yeah um i personally would really like to know more about paragraph 12 of the guidelines for the treatment of non-wizard part humans honestly same i actually want to know not just about paragraph 12. I want to know all about the guidelines. Kind of mad at Bill for cutting Percy off here. I'm like, no, please. We almost got a glimpse into some like deeper world building. Give it back. I want it. I know. And I mean, I'm glad that they are not, in, they are not in fact killing vampires, as, as it seems. That's, That's true. Pretty rad for all the vampires in this world. Mm-hmm. So, which is actually kind of weird. We never encounter vampires for that one time. I mean, they're basically muggles, right? So the witches wouldn't really... I bet most vampires don't even know about about witches. It's not like they get magical powers. But there must be people who are witches who are turned into vampires, though. Yeah, but they still wouldn't necessarily break the statute of secrecy if they went to live amongst the vampires. That's true. Harry uh, brings up Tre- Trelawney in this, in this chapter, and I really, really hope that Trelawney got that raise for having another important prophecy about Voldemort. Mm. She deserves it! Having prophecies about Voldemort is not exactly, like, critical piece of her job at Hogwarts. 
Dumbledore said that he Dumbledore said that he should give her a raise. And I don't and clearly considering how the education is structured, who the fuck knows how the like teachers are being evaluated. I mean they're really not because they're not. Snape and every most half the defense against the art, dark arts teacher. So I'm torn on this. I don't think that's a reason for her to get a raise. I think she sh- everyone should have a raise all the time. More raises. But I think that Dumbledore giving her a raise for that is like as ethical as Dumbledore employing her despite her being pretty bad at her job because she had a prophecy one time, which I think is not I think that's not good. That's that's fair. That is true. But if she's going to be there even if she's a bad teacher, I mean, give her a raise. Give her a fucking raise. Yeah. Um speaking of people and their jobs uh and their job descriptions i what the fuck is arthur doing whatever damage control is taking place here has nothing to do with his department what is he doing at work maybe they just need people to like look at paperwork and file stuff and just sort of like which seems ridiculous because it's like the ministry isn't a non-profit like based like you have tons of workers like yeah yeah why do you need arthur to like be working like 12 hours a day on his vacation that's some bullshit yeah i can't think of a single thing that that has to do with his department that they could be doing in terms because it seems like they're just doing like image control they're not actually trying to like hunt down the the instigators or anything they're just trying to like make themselves look better and i guess some kind of a claim some kind of damage claims for any right for a lot of trashed personal property which can be a pain in the ass yeah i'm sure that sounds terrible yeah your turn uh just that hermione is forever the mom friend are you talking about her telling them that they shouldn't play quidditch yeah which is like really too bad because I feel like Ron's suggestion of a like distraction that involves being outside is a really good one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just it sucks for Hermione to be in this position of being the mom friend when I feel like I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's just like a disservice to her character. Yeah, I agree. She doesn't deserve this. Yeah, she really does not. Um. So you maybe have this. This felt like a note that you would take, and I almost didn't take it because I didn't want to take it away from you. Um, we see Bill and Ron playing chess. Is this a thing? That oh, I didn't have that in my notes, actually. Okay. So, yeah, we see Bill playing chess with Ron, and I feel like this is this feels like a character buildy for Ron. Like, it, to me, seems like him and Bill were close when Ron was small before bill moved out and probably bill taught him how to play chess and like they were they were probably buds yeah i actually have this i have another moment of this just in another chapter where i feel like the interactions of of the weasleys in this chapter is very good and it's i think a very clear window in what the dynamic must be like right when like ron was younger before like bill and charlie moved out and kind of the dynamic of what's going on when Harry isn't around and thus there isn't some weird crisis or weird thing happening. Because you have the twins, like, joking with Molly, right? And then you have, like, Ron and Bill playing chess. And it's just, it just seems very, like, cozy. I don't know. It's yeah. like, oh, they love each other. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes sense to me that that Charlie and Ginny would have been 
close. I don't know who was hanging out with Percy or if Percy always was just like, everyone leave me the fuck alone. I'm reading. I mean, I think also Percy is like a very sincere kind of intense nerd mm-hmm. in a way that everyone around is like, oh God, we don't want to hear about you quoting this whatever ministry document thing. Yeah. Which is too bad because I do want to know also, but I'm also a very sincere nerd, so I guess it yeah. takes one to know one, I suppose. Yeah, Percy feels very much like he doesn't he doesn't have anyone in his family that really vibes with him, which I think is sad, honestly. Oh, Percy's a little bit of the black sheep. Yeah, he's actually, I feel like him and Arthur were probably close, like... He probably was just, you know, this very precocious little kid who was just like, yeah, I want to, like, follow you around. I want you to teach me how to, like, put a plug together, whatever. And as he got older, he was like, oh, my God, Dad, I'm so embarrassed by your, like, muggle obsession. But I still want to, like, talk to you about ministry stuff and, like, all of all, all of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess he is the only one of the kids that, like, also goes into the ministry and is really thriving dealing with the sort of minute bureaucracy part of it Mm -hmm. because like let's be real caught the thickness of cauldron bottoms is important but also incredibly boring but it's 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 clearly some kind of like public safety thing you know right so deeply important work that is very under it's not it's not like sexy or glamorous but you don't want people like burning themselves because their cauldron leaked some kind of weird crap all over the floor and yourself like yep yeah i agree i don't remember whose turn it is uh yours i think <laughs> uh speaking of the cozy moment at the burrow i just feel a little sad that like jenny's laying on the rug like taping together her textbook why i mean I, it's just i'm just imagining this sort of falling about a falling apart textbook that has passed through i know however many Weasley's to get to her and he's just like just taping it together so I can read this I can use this book in class and I'm like oh I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fine I just I don't know I had a moment where I was like I feel like I taped a lot of my textbooks together but they were it was like public school so that was just like that was the book I was given at the beginning of the semester yeah so maybe it hits different when it's like her book that she has to take to class yeah maybe she's taping something like funny on the cover or something that's also possible it is the 90s. Yeah, the, the textbook covers. Oh, I yeah. love those. <laughs> yeah, me too. Even though we weren't allowed to, because I also had public school textbooks that I mean, weren't mine, so I had to get them back. They were like, I feel like the ones I was using were like sleeves. Like they fit around it. And I think I made at least some of them. It was like a way you could fold it and just like slip it over. Mm-hmm. It'd be shiny. Oh, man. My aesthetic has not changed since I was born. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else in this section? Uh, I have a few more things. Okay. Uh, I just want to point out that I respect Dung's Fletcher's commitment to the scam of telling oh, yeah. the industry. <laughs> that he had a 12-room tent with an in-suit jacuzzi, which I want. That sounds incredible. It does. Which actually goes into my next point, which is... How the fuck do witches know what jacuzzis are? I think I think this is just Scandal JKR being not really good at like thinking through her world building and using the word jacuzzi, but also having literally like two chapters ago, Arthur not being able to use muggle money, which is pretty straightforward numbers on paper and coins. 
so mm-hmm. you are correct uh, and, my, and my last thing who is the head of Arthur's department? And, like, what is the, like, overall department that he is in? Is it, is it magical law enforcement? Like, is he nested inside of magical law enforcement? I guess so. Yeah, he has to be, right? His office is adjoined to, like, where the auroras are, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was like, I, haven't, I hadn't actually thought about that until today when I was like, Percy mentioned that oh, I should have gone to his department head. And I'm like... Is he the head of his own department? Like, who else is doing shit with Muggle? Like, what? And then I'm like, oh. It's probably Amelia Bones is mm. probably his boss. Right? I guess. That would make sense. Because I don't know what else he could be besides law enforcement. Yeah. Because it's just him and one other dude is his whole department. And I feel like we get the sense that the other dude is, like, just sort of, like, waiting for retirement or something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. (sighs) Like obliviating Mr. Roberts until his brain is clearly broken, and then just fucking hand-waving it away. Yeah, watching Arthur sort of downplay the effects of being obliviated is real fucked up. And especially since we get at the end of this this book that Barty Crouch, like, destroyed... uh, bertha jenkins brain like straight up yep and like is it like arthur are you just saying the party line or do you just like really believe that obliterating some like some muggles is like fine i'm like there is no better option there i feel like it's either like intentional um ignorance on his part or you know i he's lying i don't know i both also maybe it's just both maybe he's like he'll be fine but what he means by fine is he'll be able to live a life even if it's not the life he had before and it's worth it in the name of protecting the statute of secrecy yeah because i'm just like and there must be like degrees of it because it's like okay arthur shows up and is like all right so you saw someone using a wand or your teacup started singing or your mirror talked back to you that you got at like a flea market. That's like, what, like five, six hours tops I got a a race. Like maybe that's not so bad because it didn't Mm -hmm. cause you that much undue trauma. Mm -hmm. But I guess depending on if they're only erasing this dude and his family's like terrible night being tortured by witches or the entire i mean obviously the entire thing because they're all still leaving but i feel like trying to obliterate a like intensely traumatic effect seems like it wouldn't work just because it's not just your conscious brain that is processing trauma right Mm -hmm. so like this dude's probably gonna have like weird ptsd flashbacks and have no idea why and that sounds so fucked up yeah Kind of like when they give you like Twilight medication to do like surgery and terrible, painful procedures to your body where you're like awake, but not awake. You don't remember anything when you wake up. And it's like, but part of you does like your brain was still there. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. (sighs) Seriously. So I have stuff about Rita. Another thing about. Arthur, and then one thing about house elves. Whichever. 
let's keep going with Arthur just because we're sort of already on this tangent. Is that I actually really appreciate Arthur having these good boundaries at his work up until now. Where it's like not working on the weekends, not working overtime, essentially, since Ron was a baby. So, I mean, and like even like Molly advocating for him to work less, even though they are poor. And I feel like mm-hmm. this sort of idea is like, you got to work harder if you're poor. And it's like, no, fuck that. Go home on the weekends, see your family. And I just find that actually very refreshing. I feel like Arthur is salaried. I feel like that would probably be different if he was getting paid hourly. That's true. No, he probably is salaried. But even more reason than to not work late hours. Go the fuck home. You're not getting paid for that time. I agree. Absolutely. I don't yeah. know. I'm just glad they're. I'm just glad they're kind of like in agreement about that. You know. Mm-hmm. And like Arthur isn't the kind of shitty husband trying to avoid his family. Like he loves his family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it does bring up the question then who is dealing with muggle shit on the weekends is it perkins that isn't so great interesting yeah it's not like they can just be like that'll wait till monday yeah i guess it must be this really doesn't like a department that needs like one more person or perkins was like i don't mind working on the weekends you know I mean, if you if you have a life where, like, the important people in your life that you spend time with are also flexible, then I feel like weekend is just whenever you decide to take time off. Yeah. Maybe he's, like, rolling in the office at, like, 2 o'clock and is like, cool, I got the night shift. See you tomorrow, Arthur. Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel really bummed out when I think about the fact that Molly has this moment with the twins where she's like, I yelled at you and, like, what if you had died? And I don't think she actually like learned anything from that i don't think she came away from that being like i should work harder to embrace my children as they are because i want to make sure that our relationship is as good as it can be and as long as they're not hurting anyone i should let them be who they are and with the wizard wheezes there is risk of them hurting people but that wasn't really what she yelled at them about. She mm-hmm. yelled at them about being bad at school. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just bums me out. I actually do wonder about that since the twins joke about it later this chapter. But, like, that's going to be a front also. If they're, like, so used to being, like, the bad children of the family. She might be having a moment with them, but we see her bugging Bill about his hair in this chapter. So she clearly hasn't overall learned to let her children be who they are and not spend her precious time and energy trying to change them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I wish, like, Molly had, like, a hobby or something that was just not her children. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about uh, Rita Skeeter. I don't remember if this is our first mention of her or, her or the second mention of her. I think this is the either the first or the second, but it's the first meaningful mention of her. Right. And I feel like even though Arthur and Bill and like Percy are complaining about Rita, I feel like three out of the four things that they're talking about are in fact on point and correct. Like the fact that she wrote an article about and this is actually quoted that Mr. Weasley was reading. Ministry blunder, culprits not apprehended, lack security, dark wizards running unchecked, 
national disgrace. This also like a correct assessment of what happened at the Wizarding World Cup. Yep. My my note literally lists each of those and is like, check, 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 <laughs> check, check. Yes, Rita Skeeter has nailed it. Yeah, like these aren't alternative facts. These are actual facts of what, what's going on. And I also feel like, so her second commentary is, Percy is annoyed about her uh, comment about worrying about bureaucracy over killing vampires which yeah like vampires don't need to be killed they're clearly chilling and doing their own thing it's fine um but i feel like an assessment over and i mean again cauldron bottoms are clearly some kind of public health issue it is not a great look for her to be including that in sort of a commentary on bureaucracy but let's not pretend that like irl journalism don't do the same thing and worse to sell papers or to get clicks or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, I don't think that she is out of line with the with the the journalism that she, that we're getting from her. It just seems very on point for someone in the media. Which, I don't know if that's, I mean, maybe that's not a great commentary, but I don't think she's this sort of villain that she gets, that she's portrayed as. Not yet. I mean, we don't, from here on out, I feel like we don't see a lot of her reporting factually, at least not when it comes to Harry. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because this, you know, sort of rundown that Arthur gives while he's like scanning, it's all like, yes. But then the piece that we get from it, it's mostly correct. And then we have this like, quash the rumors part. Bringing in those rumors, I feel like, pushes it into another you know not so much we're just like telling you what's going on yeah actually i have uh so we have some historical precedents for this um so uh so like it's basically what's going on is like yellow journalism which is something that was coined in like the 1800s essentially when the dude who owned one paper pulitzer and the dude who owned the other paper Hearst were like competing newspaper sales so they would I mean basically you know had the most sensationalized exaggerated headlines and stories in order to sell more papers which is unfortunately sort of a big problem with uh, newspapers in general is that part of their bottom line is like report the news objectively what we want them to do but they're also in a business to sell papers or right now to get clicks it looks like according to the wikipedia page in the uk it's called tabloid journalism which mm-hmm. is essentially what uh rita is doing she's just right she's making up shit it's like outrageous exaggeration and like a lot of sensationalism but i think the the thing that's not being stated is she's probably getting to write these front page articles is because obviously there's not a lot of diversity in the witching world as far as news goes, but I'm sure a lot of people brought this issue to the Daily Prophet. Right. So I think it's worthwhile to sort of pull back and look at the whole picture of sort of a problem with journalism, like for-profit journalism anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but we can like kind of keep, because right, as we get in kind of late in the book, she just goes just completely right into the sort of essentially clickbait uh, stories and headlines from here on out once the Triwizard Tournament starts in a way that's just like, wow, you've like given up on any kind of critical 
look at what you're reporting. Well, I feel like the thing is that Rita Skeeter doesn't work for a specific publication. It seems like she's a freelance journalist. So when she writes for The Daily Prophet, she's writing less sensational. But then when she's writing this stuff about the Triwizard Tournament, she's mostly writing for basically... I mean, she's writing for Witch Weekly, it seems like, mostly. So she's writing, I don't know, for the equivalent of, like, E, right? Or... Or, like, People or something. TMZ, right? Oh, I, yeah. No, I think you're right about TMZ. It is... But, I mean, maybe not even TMZ, because... I mean, part of what TMZ does isn't making shit up. They just go to unethical lengths to get, like, celebrity news, I think, is part right. of their deal. And... While Rita does go to some unethical lengths to get a story. So it's like a little bit TMZ and a little bit, I don't know, whatever terrible tabloidy thing you can think of. I think it is worse in in the UK than here, too. Isn't that the Daily Mail like a basically a, like a tabloid, but it looks like a professional newspaper? So you're kind yeah. of like, wait, is this, is this real news? Right. Yeah, I... I... Part of me is thinking about, like, all of the, like, Princess Diana stuff, which was being published in sort of just all of the newspapers. But then also thinking about uh, Spice World, right? All of the... Because I think that was, like, real commentary on British media, where they would just take anything. For anyone who hasn't watched Spice World, I'm sorry, you should watch it. It's great. Part of the premise is that these people are trying to, like, split up the Spice Girls for 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 headlines for clickbait mm. basically and one of them is overheard making a joke where she says come on is the Pope a Catholic to be like obviously I like the thing that you just asked me about and the next thing that happens is there's this newspaper article that's like Spice Girls question the you know the religious orientation of the Pope and it's like this huge scandal and I think that's real Mm -hmm. that's like a real thing that happens in in the uk maybe less now but i don't know but then i also kind of think about like whatever the fuck fox news is doing where it's like they're just reporting straight up lies to rouse their white supremacist fan base into a feather um to the detriment of us of all of us in the united states i feel like that's true absolutely yeah i feel like all the articles of people being like I can't believe my parents got sucked into being Fox News people. And it's like your parents were all were always racist. You just didn't know that until now. I'm sorry. But I, I don't know what to tell you about that. Like, I don't, I can't feel much sympathy for these things. It's just like, it was always there because of white supremacy. You just are now realizing is coming to the fore more. And I'm like, there is sorry. some really interesting psychology in terms of how it goes the Fox News route specifically though yeah Uh, yeah, i mean obviously fox news is like is radicalizing like older white people to a and terrible degree which is why people should just go over to the parents house and reprogram their vcr or their cable to like doesn't show up like they're not gonna figure it they're not gonna figure it out (laughs) just block it that's true it's a great idea (laughs) i think i think that what she's doing is more akin to tabloid media, though, because it is, like, celebrity stories. Yeah. And not celebrity stories like 
Tom Hanks is eating babies, like Fox News likes to report on, maybe. I don't know if they report that particular piece of QAnon, but um, so it just feels it feels more like celebrity gossip lies than it feels like anti-vaxxer lies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically what she's doing for the Triwizard Tournament is just straight up brat pack level teen heartthrob like tabloid journalism. Yeah. Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. (sighs) All right. In these dark times, laughing at silly jokes about fictional characters' sex lives matters more than ever. That's what we here at The Gaily Prophet believe, and that's why we are dedicated to bringing you the best, silliest, horniest content we can. If you appreciate the work we do here, consider supporting us. There are several ways you can do so. You can leave us a rating and review on iTunes like Ezra Vickberg and Theoretically Theo did recently. You can join our Patreon in exchange for tons of great bonus content like Jesse G and Elizabeth Stringard recently did. You can buy our merch, and you can make a one-time donation through our website. Big thanks to those who have donated to our work so far this year. I'm going to mutilate all of your last names, just heads up. Uh, Stephanie Boris, Emily Kaczynski, Jessica Gardner, Emily McGavern, Krissa Nakos, Andrew Rosenbaum, and Aubrey Butte. Next up. Ring, ring. What's that sound? Why, it's the sound of a strange communication device known to muggles as a fucking telephone. Telephones are everywhere, including the cabin of Mr. Roberts, the site manager. And by using a telephone, you can contact loved ones to let them know that you aren't dead after something terrible happens. Try a telephone today. It just may save your marriage. Oh my god. This actually ties really well into my first editorial point. Which hey, might mine be, too. <laughs> it might be your first editorial point. Yes. All right. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about fucking telephones. Please kick us off, Jesse. I just am annoyed that Arthur did not think to tell Molly somehow that they are okay. And part of and part of this is I'm sure her clock was at fucking mortal peril for half of her kids. And then two of her kids, four of her kids, fucking lost. That's some bullshit. Is there not like speedy owls to rent? You could be like, oh, by the way, hey, we're all cool. Thanks. You know? And not her waiting up at night, hoping her family shows up? Are you fucking kidding me you have fucking magic invent something but like what unfortunately for arthur his uh writer isn't going to invent talking patronuses until book seven so six later yeah so right now i mean in the last chapter he was like if your mother finds out what happened she's gonna be frantic let's go to bed like no 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 do something <laughs> right you why didn't he apparate home easily or send bill or charlie or per- go home and tell your mom everything is fine for instance what the fuck right the fact that there isn't any kind of magical way of like right there isn't the magical equivalent of a payphone. so you like what like and the fact since that this world does not have television you cannot tell me that there isn't down by the beer tent and the merch sites some entrepreneur who's like, check out my magical owls and falcons and whatever. 
get a letter to your loved one about how what a good time you're having or send them some merch or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is a lie. That's definitely there. Arthur, I know you're fucking broke, but Bill is rich, so have him pay for an owl to fly to your house and be like, hey, we're okay. Yeah. I Four of the people here can apparate. There's no reason that they all slept in the tent that night instead of one of them just fucking popping home and being like, hey, mom, chill out. Everything's fine. Honestly, the fact that they stayed the rest of the night is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I guess they had to get a port key put together. Okay, know. but like, all right, so you have Bill, Arthur, Charlie, and Percy who can all apparate. And so they could have all done side apparitions with the rest of the kids. I don't think they can. I don't think they're strong enough. You have to be super powerful to do really? side along apparition. Sounds like a cop out, JKR. Scoundrel JKR. But... I mean, that's just like deductive reading on our part. Like, this is something that we've talked about a couple times because no one that Harry knows has ever done side along apparition. That's true. So, it's for just him with Dumbledore. So, yeah. like, I yeah. don't think most people can do it. That's true. Yeah, I think the only people we ever see do side along is Dumbledore and Hermione, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, checks out. Yeah, I'm so mad that they put Molly through this. She was just enjoying her, like, wine bath time, and she wakes up, and she gets the fucking paper at, like, 7 a.m., and is like, what the fuck? Yep. Or she looks at her clock at 6 a.m., and is like, what the fuck? And then she gets the newspaper, and is like, terrible things happen at the Quidditch World Cup, and she's probably freaking out. And what's yep. she gonna do? Fucking nothing. She can't call anyone to be like, hey, did your kids come home from the, like, what's going on? Xenophilia? What is, sorry, what is, what is that? Xenophilius. Xenophilius. Or Amos Diggory. She can't just call him up and be like, yo, Amos, what the fuck happened last night? Nope. She's just alone in the fucking country with nothing but like an elderly fucking owl. And a bunch of gnomes. <laughs> yeah. And a ghoul. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it's not great. Also not great, Hermione being so really unreasonably and rudely rude to Harry when he brings up Trelawney's prediction. Like, he's being very vulnerable with her and Ron about his fear around this dream that he had. You know, he's like, I don't know, I think it might be real. And then he's like, and then this prediction, she's like, fuck off, Harry. Just so dismissive. I don't like it. Especially considering all the things that Harry's putting together. I'm just like, you don't need any divination tool to figure out this is a sign. Like, Harry's putting the dots together. And I know that Hermione has, like, whatever her intense vendetta against (laughs) Trelawney is. Yeah. I don't know. maybe Maybe her vendetta just made worse from having believed Lockhart. And now she just is just... 100% 100% unflexible about terrible professors like Trelawney. I don't know. I just feel like given that Harry believes is is on the same team as Hermione in terms of like how credible Trelawney is, him being like, no, she, it was super fucking freaky, Hermione. Like you can't even imagine how weird it was. She was totally different. Hermione's read books about the fact that divination is real. She should have. I don't think she has anyway. But at the very least, you know, Harry's word should count for something here when he's like, it's not what you're imagining. It was totally different. Yeah. It is hard to uh, break through the 
rigid thinking that I, I believe her money is kind of like a thought process is so. I guess I just think that even if she does feel that sense of like Psh, about it, she should still be more tender with Harry in this moment. Yeah. I feel like you can be dismissive of a piece of someone, so, like something that someone is saying without being hurtful. Yeah. She actually very deftly changes the subject just moments later. And yeah. you could have actually just skipped to that part without yeah. hurting Harry's feelings first. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what do you have next? Do you feel like talking about dress robes? Sure. So the last page and a half of this chapter, we get a exchange about Ron's with Ron's dress robes and Harry's dress robes. In which both Ron and Harry think that Ron's dress robes are more feminine feeling mm-hmm. than Harry's dress robes. Which, besides scoundrel Jackie R's kind of preoccupation with wrong ways and right ways to gender, makes sense. But in world, doesn't actually make sense because... I mean, if you if you like go to like a cosplay or like Ren Faire website, robes like witching robes obviously come in two different styles. Either you have the kind of you knot it together, sort of open like bathrobe type robe, or you have what is essentially a dress robe mm-hmm. where it like goes over your head. And for anyone who's watched Lord of the Rings, I mean that's basically what all the witches all the witches in Lord of the Rings are wearing. They're wearing dresses dress robe dressy robes with like a cloak over it Mm -hmm. um so clearly it it just seems weird because given that those are the two styles of robes that you have it just seems weird that both harry and ron are clocking ron's dress robe like it's a dress unless it's the lace and the the collar and the cuffs which really shouldn't have made that much of a difference. I mean, like, obviously lace is ugly. Just cut that shit off. Like, that's fine. I don't need lace. I like lace, but, like, I never liked buying underwear with lace. Or, correction, women's underwear with lace. Or if women's underwear had, like, a bow, I'd, I'd always immediately cut it off. So I'm like, what is this fucking bullshit? With you on the bows, I think lace is hot. Not what's described on Ron's dress robe. Yeah. is the wrong kind of lace. Yes, yeah, I also but... think lace is hot. Um, I think that, right, the the lace that Ron is describing sounds gross. Yeah. And it, it just seems weird that, like, and so maybe it is just the lace, but I'm kind of like, this cut of robe shouldn't be this foreign. But yeah, it's just, it's just a weird, like, a whole weird, unnecessary passage about, like, to say it about my dress robes, and it's like, just cut off the, like, the lace sounds gross, just cut it off. Yeah. You can get some scissors, you don't even need magic. <laughs> But he does it with his wand and it ends up looking terrible. He sure does. Like a fool, but they probably don't actually have scissors at Hogwarts. Wow, they <laughs> don't have scissors at Hogwarts! How, how are you going to make paper heart like Valentine's? Jesus severing charm or something. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe there isn't. I refuse to believe that, like, Dean Thomas, certified artist of Gryffindor, doesn't have a fucking pair of scissors in his shit. You're correct, and Ron would never think to ask him. He would he not. He would not think to ask. He wouldn't even know what the fuck scissors were. No. I mean, Arthur knows, because Arthur's like, ooh, a pair of scissors is what muggles use to cut things. 
I mean, but the kids can't use magic until they're like 11. So they must do crafts with something. Maybe right? they, maybe they all have knives. Oh my God. It's <laughs> terrifying. I don't, I don't know when scissors were invented, but I imagine before scissors, you just use a knife, right? I guess so. Um, no, I'm with you. I actually, my, my thing about the dress robes was actually sort of op- not opposite. I don't know. It was like on a, another side of things, which was like Harry's dress robes are the same as his school robes, just green, which feels very like how IRL men like dress up clothes are basically just like their regular clothes, which I think is very boring. I think it sucks. Honestly, I'm very excited to like have transitioned to the point that I can like be getting ready for a date and like put on makeup and have that be like, I look like a fag as opposed to like, oh no, (laughs) which I feel like right now is people look at me and they're like, what? Um, Which is fine, but like too risky for me in terms of how people are going to interact with me and like how I feel. But I just feel like we, it's everyone should do more. Speaking as a dandy, everyone should do more. I just, I want Harry's dress robes to be more in whatever way, like Hermione and everyone else's dress robes seem to be more. They're like floaty, they're shimmery, whatever. Everyone have lace on their robes or no one have lace on their robes. Right. And you're a fucking witch. You're extra as fuck. Like, right. Why isn't this shit changing color every two seconds or like shimmery or like sparkly like what the fuck <laughs> you're ready for a rave i'm just saying if i, <laughs> no, I, I if agree. i i mean yes i am <laughs> i'm just saying if i was a witch i'd be like how can i make my outfit look like i've been dressed in a glitter ball thank you right exactly like you're wearing something that's like really a skirt that's really twirly and you like do a spell so that it looks like you're twirling all the time even when you're standing still like do it. It sounds more. good. It sounds good as hell. <laughs> more for everyone. Truly. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. None of this like gendered bullshit. Like make it all be extra and ridiculous. Yeah. And I feel like hearkening back to your Lord of the Rings reference, if Gandalf was like getting ready for a date, it would be the most ridiculous. Hell yeah. Like, right, color change. I mean fucking Saruman's like cloak of many colors is the most extra shit. <laughs> and of course you're gonna be like, listen, let me show you how magical I am. Look at this fucking cloak of many colors. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Clearly the whole like his grand grand ensemble was he's like about to do some like messy, dirty shit with some hobbits. Not right. a euphemism. Um <laughs> <laughs> Right. But when Gandalf is ready to go out on the town, Gandalf is wearing something exquisite. Hell yeah. And on that note, um, okay, oh no, I have one more thing. Which I, I know we've talked about before, but the fucking security at Gringotts is supposed to be incredible, and yet Molly can get gold out of Harry's vault without Harry's consent. It's easy as hell to rob Gringotts. You just go and say, I need to take this thing out of this vault. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, how the fuck was wanted criminal Sirius Black able to get enough gold out of his vault to get Harry an expensive ass racing broom? Like... He sent a cat. 
No problem. <laughs> because Brent got security. Oh, it's like a note and just like a little like empty leather sack. It's just like filled me with gold from the serious black vault. What? Sure. Okay. Here you go, random cat. <laughs> This is why Bill's job is stealing treasure from other countries because the fucking treasure at Gringotts, instead of being like invested or whatever, is just constantly being given to whatever rando asks for it. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, we gave it to the wrong person again. We have to replenish that person's vault. God damn it. I'm crying. <laughs> this is so silly. Oh, jeez. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Today I'm talking about real science. Ooh, I love real science. Which is, Harry comments that uh, Charlie is darning a fireproof balaclava, which I am 110% sure is made of wool. Potentially magical wool, but even... Potentially what? Magical wool of some kind. okay. But even real life wool is... Okay, super, it's really fire resistant because whatever cells of whatever make up wool have a really high water content, so they don't mm-hmm. burn easily. In fact, I found the temperature of, of what temperature wool burns at, mm-hmm. which is 600 degrees Celsius or 1,112 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you're going to get to fucking dragon, which... Probably is pretty fiery. Um, you're doing pretty good with the wool balaclava, honestly. And wool doesn't really stay on fire. It kind of just smolders once it does catch. And then that's right. really pretty easy uh, to put out. So, and like firefighters in the military use wool protective gear for people. So clearly a lot of, probably a lot of Charlie's fireproof gear is made of Maybe just regular ass fucking wool. Yeah, that's fascinating. I know it's actually really cool. Yeah, uh, I read the fact like years ago that the navy, like, I think back when polyester became a thing, they had mm-hmm. polyester uniforms and they switched back to wool because someone died because their polyester uniform like caught on fire when they were wearing it, and it like melts and it's just real bad. Don't wear plastic. I mean, just as I, an idea. Yeah, I mean, I really don't recommend wearing polyester because it doesn't breathe as a fabric. And if you're someone like me who is very sweaty all the time, you want something that breathes. It also just feels terrible. I have a lot of, like, tactile sensory issues. And Evan has some of that, like, you know, it's like SPF 50 clothes, you know, that are that that material, like workout clothes material, but they're like work work clothes and like i one of my household tasks is the laundry i do laundry while i listen to like do my second listen to our podcast and all of his work clothes i have to pick up with like another article of clothing between my hands and those clothes and like put in a pile for him to fold and put away later because i cannot touch them like have to wipe my hands off after i after it comes in contact it's no good no no i get that i don't have many like texture tactile things but i feel like the ones that i do have are often about artificial polyester poly blend stuff 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with any kind of natural fabric usually, but yeah, something about the way that, right, athletic shirts or like fleece or just like crap like that that's just like, ugh. Yeah. I want to talk about Molly's clock. Did we talk about all of the points that you had? I did. Yep. I only cool. had the one thing about wool. <laughs> cool. Um, so I have a question about Molly's clock. Does her fucking clock, do all of her kids currently at Hogwarts hands on this clock at some point during every fucking school year turn to mortal peril? Yeah. That's terrible. Actually, I feel like I hadn't thought about that until you brought this up. Every year, Rama's go home and Molly's like, what the fuck happened? Why was my clock at mortal peril at 11.30 at night when you should have fucking been in bed? Right? Because <laughs> it's always, it's almost always at night, I feel like. Yeah. Except for maybe, I don't remember if them going to the Chamber of Secrets was at night or not. Maybe? I think it was. I think so, too. Yeah, I was just thinking about, like, when they're in the fucking forest talking to Aragog, it's gotta be, like, what is it, shifting between lost and mortal peril, like, just swinging on its fucking hinges? It's like, both, he's both. Does it spawn a new Ron hand so that he's both lost (laughs) and in mortal peril? (laughs) Just, what a terrible clock to have, honestly. I would not want this clock. I don't, I would not be able to stop looking at it if i had it the way that my anxiety works and then i'd just be like oh no i'm incapacitated this is the worst i feel like nicole would want this clock because i had to turn on like the find my friend so she could like know where i'm at <laughs> partly because she gets in, she gets anxious if i'm like out driving by myself she's like what if you were in an accident but also when she's just like where the fuck are you because i haven't like texted her because i've been like hyper focus on like going to the grocery store or something and she's like you're supposed to be back like two hours ago but it sounds like a really lovely compromise i mean basically actually it is i'm like i don't care if you know where i'm at and it makes you feel better and it makes you feel less anxious so so yeah I'm all for technology stepping in for things like that yeah so i feel like i feel like nicole would want this clock <laughs> but there's a difference between like being able to see where someone is and being able to see i think it's the lost and the mortal peril. Those are the ones that really make me be like, I couldn't have this clock. Yeah, I just keep thinking about whatever book it is when Molly's like, yeah, everyone's hand is on mortal peril. And I'm like, that sounds like just... But I mean, maybe just Molly was just straight up anxious anyway. Because she, like, she had the whole True. like thing with the bog art where she's like, oh my god, everyone in my family is dead. This is my greatest fear. I'm like, whoa, that is too real. <laughs> so real. too real. Oh god. So, I don't know. It's kind of like, maybe Molly's just going to be anxious anyway, you know? It is funny that one of them is prison. Right? I think that's the first time I ever noticed that. I don't think it's come up before until now, maybe. Because I think we would have brought it up before now. Yeah. If you're in fucking prison in Azkaban, it would be at mortal peril and not prison. Yeah, you would think. Most people die in Azkaban. We have, like, that's been stated. Yeah. You know what's weird is that we do see it when everyone's is pointing at mortal peril. It switches to traveling when someone's apparating and then goes back to mortal peril. So now I really want to know how this clock weighs the what's most important to show in any given moment. 
Or are you safe while you're in the ether, while you're apparating? And so it actually makes more sense to say traveling because you are briefly not in mortal peril. I mean, I think at that point you are in mortal peril because you are just in the ether. I don't know. I guess if I... (laughs) I feel this clock works a little bit like the alethiometer where it's just like, it's dust, capital D, is how this Mm -hmm. works. Like, (laughs) it works by magic. (laughs) And it seems weird because, like, obviously I don't necessarily think there's anything, like, because, like, truth is subjective. So, like, a universal truth seems like a weird statement to make. But obviously it's, like, something is deciding what is mortal peril. And, like, what that thing is, I don't know. I feel like the alethiometer is driven by the same thing that, like, makes tarot work. Like, that instrument actually makes a lot of sense to me intuitively when I watch Lyra using it. I'm like, yeah, this is like doing a tarot reading, but, like, with more cards, sort of. Mm -hmm. Or with cards that are able to be, like, much more specific. Yeah. I don't get the same kind of vibe from this clock, but maybe I could if I thought about it long enough. I will think about it between now and the next time we see the clock. And I guess maybe not in the way that, like, uh, Lyra ask the questions in Lithium Murder and more in like the way that it answers her where it's like what is like something in the ethers yeah the universe which is what makes tarot work this is also true and I mean could this just be what is making Molly's clock worth though now that we're talking about this maybe what makes it work is it somehow intrinsically connected to Molly's magic so part of it is what she would consider mortal peril is Mm. somehow magically connected to like what the clock will tell her about her family. Maybe it's about the state of the person, like how they're interpreting their situation. Mm -hmm. So the clock is like, find my friend plus mood tracker plus health, (laughs) whatever it is with the Apple iPhone when it has like the like your heart rate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) all right cool um one more question so howlers apparently i mean we know that they like go off whether you open them or not apparently they get like louder if you don't open them sooner or something but apparently they explode in a way that can cause a fire which is so dangerous you have no way of knowing whether the person that you're delivering it to will be home when it's delivered so you could, like, burn someone's house down. And I get that you're mad at whoever you're sending a howler to, but, like, Molly sends them to her kids. So I think that people don't use them with the level of discretion in their decision-making that they maybe should if this is something that could burn your house down. Um, and then, more importantly, maybe... So it's like if you don't open it fast enough, which means from the time of delivery to when it deems that you should have opened it, which apparently doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you are present with the letter. Yeah. Does that mean that the owl puts the letter down and then like clicks a button like initiate? It's like a delivered. Interesting. Email is sent to the howler and it's like cool starting timer now. Maybe it's, like, spelled to, like, the timer starts once the owl, like, lets go of the letter or whatever. That's a really good point. Because I did, as I was thinking, like, why doesn't anyone just have, like, a box to put the howlers in so they don't burn up the shit on your desk? But Right. Yeah, it's real weird. 
because like if it's not somehow initiated by the owl or the lack of owl like something having to do with like the idea of being delivered the there's a real real risk that owls have been exploded by howlers that weren't delivered as quickly as the person thought that they would be oh no right i just like that i just had that that thought completely why do howlers even fucking exist honestly that's the question (laughs) these are terrible they're so and how are they just legal for you to just sell to any rando like are you what oh my god right can you imagine oh my god imagine i don't know how it is that the that the kids at Hogwarts aren't constantly sending howlers to each other as pranks when you break up with someone, <laughs> when you're mad at your friend, when like your Quidditch team loses. Like the fucking Great Hall would be full of howlers. That is so true. Every every uh broken up couple would definitely send to their howlers. That is so true. They they would send them to each other while they like the person was in McGonagall's class. <laughs> That's what I would do, personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is maybe just another example of a poorly thought out world building thing. Because, yeah, it, it would be nonstop howlers in the Great Hall every single fucking day from someone. Yeah. Can we just, like, McGonagall would give detention to the person who received the howler. She would. I know, maybe they're expensive. Maybe. That's the only reason. But then that would not explain... That all the rich kids would still be sending them to people. Yeah, and also there would be kids like Fred and George who figured out how to make a howler and there would be like a massive trade in like black market howlers. <laughs> Bootleg howlers. Yeah. <laughs> screamers. Get your screamers right here. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Uh, this podcast and our other podcast, Escape from Reality, which is about the Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell, are all produced, mixed, and edited by me. Also, a lot of our merch is also designed by you. That's true. This is I live and breathe this work. <laughs> this is all I do. <laughs> which is a good thing. I like it a lot. Thank you, everyone, for making that possible for me to do. All right, yeah, um, you can find us on the internet at our website, hashtag ruthless.com. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. You should definitely follow us there. We are always posting fun things. If you want to find me on the internet, you can do so on my website, which is larkmalachi.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at larkmalachi. You can, you can find me on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit and then you too can get can look at my stories of whatever foster cat I am currently fostering <laughs> consider this my sincere endorsement for this content <laughs> it's very good um the music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester and until next time unions sensationalism fake news <laughs>